can't get a job on Instagram, I don't think. Actually, you can, in my experience. There was a lot of content that was shown to me about React. Sometimes when I get stuck or something, I try to ask those content creators. This person who has hired me, he actually answered my questions like four times. Hello and welcome to the Scrimba podcast. On this weekly show, I interview successful devs about their advice on how to learn to code and get your first job in tech. Today, I'm joined by Mohamed, a developer from Algeria who was recently hired at a San Francisco-based tech company. This is Mohamed's first developer job, and it came on the back of an internship, which itself came from networking on social media. Here's what I'm going to say. Applying for jobs on platforms like LinkedIn does work, but maybe it doesn't work as well as networking. And when you're networking, you shouldn't discriminate about the platform. If the concept of networking is still a bit mysterious or daunting, listen on. Mohammed's going to make it look easy while also sharing his story learning to code. At the end of the interview, we're going to go in depth on Mohammed's job interview process so you can get a better idea of what to expect and some sense of how to best prepare for your own interviews. You are listening to the Scrimba podcast with me, Alex Booker. Let's get into it. You can say that I have been in tech uh, since I was a child because I used to play with computers since I was a child. I pursued the law school. However, in my free time, I have learned like many things. I have tried to learn graphic design, learned to do like uh, video editing. But for me, what work out is like web development. That reminds me a little bit of myself, actually, because I didn't go straight into coding. I went straight into computers and I dabbled with a few different things like graphics. For example, I wasn't very good at graphic design to say the least, but I found that the logic of programming was better suited to me. Were you completely planning on becoming a professional lawyer then? Yes, because like most of our family members like work on the legal side. That's why I want to pursue the law career. But uh, after graduation, I had some thoughts and I changed careers after that. That's always a tough one, isn't it? I guess I'm not sure what the age is in Algeria, but in the UK and other parts of the world, it's normally when you're 18, you're sort of presented with this option to go to university. And right then and there, you have to kind of commit to something, not necessarily knowing if it's going to be for you, which I guess meant all those years later after graduating, you probably realized like it wasn't the thing you wanted to do with all of your time and, and to do professionally. How did you kind of think about that at the time? Yeah, exactly. I had a lot of thinking about it, especially in law career here in my country. It's very, very stressful. But uh, for me, like I wanted to do something that I love and I used to do since I was a child. Basically, it's an IT domain. So that's why I chose to have an IT career. Yeah, I think you're very wise, Mohammed, because, well, funnily enough, the guest who was on the podcast last week, Daniel, he was a lawyer who did it for 10 years. He doesn't regret it, but it took him 10 years to realize that he should pursue coding. And then the week before that, we had a woman named Vanessa on, really talented young lady. She became a developer after working as a doctor, but after feeling burned out, she went to a career coach and the career coach told her or asked her rather, you know, what were the things that brought you joy as a child? Maybe that's the thing you should pursue as a career, sort of mixing your natural interests and proclivities with a profession. So you, you figured out basically, Mohammed, what it took a career coach to tell Vanessa that if you'd been doing it since you were a teenager, basically, it might be something worth pursuing as a career. 
What did you like about coding compared to law, apart from the fact that hopefully it's less stressful as a career? You can say problem solving yeah. and the ability like to create whatever you want. If you have an idea for like an application or something like that, you can just do it. In law career, you kind of strict it to the book, you know? There is some law manuals that you have to apply to yourself. That's why it's kind of limited, you know? Literally the opposite of a creative career. Exactly, yeah. So you dabbled with computers and it sounds like maybe you'd played with a little bit of code up until that point. Is that fair to say? My first interaction with code was basically in 2014. I was still in middle school. You can remember that Google bloggers were famous a lot at that time. So basically, my first interaction with like downloading a template and trying to edit the CSS and HTML, that was my first interaction with it. I very liked it. Yeah, I still have those bloggers to this day. Oh, blogger.com. So you were creating templates for blogger when you were much younger. Did you find that after you graduated from law school that you knew enough about coding to start applying for jobs right away? Or did you feel like you had to retrain in a sense and go back to courses and learn specific hireable skills perhaps? I had to watch some YouTube videos and search the market and I figured out that it's very competitive. So I had to study again, you know, study the basics, study the semantic HTML, the CSS, like the basics of JavaScript. Like the JavaScript is the main focus thing in web development. So in a sense, you felt like you were starting from scratch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess when you go to school, one of the advantages is that the curriculum and the materials are all laid out for you. But basically, the teacher is going to tell you what to learn and where to learn it from. But you didn't go to school to learn coding. So how did you teach yourself how to code, Mohammed? I have started with YouTube, started with like the basics, like CSS and HTML. It wasn't a complex topic because they are so easy, but uh, you can say once I arrived at JavaScript, it was a bit tricky, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to find a good JavaScript course. But after some digging, I found a good YouTube uh, course that made me learn the basics of JavaScript. So yeah. Sometimes when you teach yourself and you are a hobbyist, I suppose, like it sounds like with the blogger templates, you were figuring it out as you went along. You didn't necessarily have the ambition to do it professionally. But the thing is, when you want to become a professional, sometimes you do have to go back to the beginning to learn things like, well, you said it, semantic HTML. You can't just kind of keep throwing stuff at the editor until it works. It needs to be structured in a way that's highly compatible and highly readable. And the same is true for JavaScript to some extent as well. You really need to have those foundational blocks in place. Was it difficult for you to learn these skills at a hireable level? Or did you feel like you had a certain advantage because you'd been dabbling with it for quite a few years prior? It was easy for me to learn HTML and CSS, but learning JavaScript without a mentor is really tricky, you know. But after I finished the YouTube JavaScript course, I understand the basics, but I was kind of lost, you know. I didn't do any projects. It was just like teaching the basics. However, uh, a friend of mine actually sent me a Scrimba. Oh, you're kidding. He's now a DevOps. He's the one who sent me Scrimba. And I started the JavaScript module. It was very, very good. Like I was amazed of how the mythology of learning in, in this platform. It was easier for me. Yeah, that's so nice to hear. People listening can't see me right now, but I'm grinning from ear to ear. That's exactly the feedback we love to get at Scrimper. Thank you, Mohammed. 
Why do you think that JavaScript was more challenging than HTML and CSS? You can say that HTML and CSS are not uh, a programming language. They're easy, but however, like programming language for me to learn is the first time is a bit difficult because uh, you need to adapt to the logic of programming, you know? For an example, you, you have to create a variable, you have to edit it, you have like very strict steps in order to get a result, you know? One thing that a lot of learner JavaScript developers struggle with is graduating from learning JavaScript to building projects. So they might really understand something like conditional logic, if statements, switch statements, that kind of thing. And they might be able to write pretty nice functions like a sorting function. They could possibly even build a text-based kind of command line application or something. You know, you can imagine using the console in JavaScript, reading the inputs and doing some logic and showing the output. It's a program, right? But it's not necessarily the thing you get into coding to build. You probably want to build an actual website or web app, I suppose. But there's something about crossing that chasm between understanding the fundamentals and feeling confident in building applications that's quite hard to cross. What was your experience and how did you bridge that gap? For me, uh, the first step was actually watching some YouTubers creating an actual application. Maybe these are those quite long videos where you almost get to sit over their shoulder as they code it step by step. Exactly, yeah. So I watched maybe two videos. So I kind of had an idea of how things work. Like this was my starting point. I think that's such a good idea and something everybody listening can try. There's been a boom in recent years of these somewhere between a tutorial and a live stream. A live stream can sometimes be a bit too long, in my opinion. Like there's a few digressions and maybe they take some time to talk to the chat or something. But the thing about tutorials is that they kind of show you the answer rather than how to find the answer. But that middle spot where you get to watch the program evolve step by step, I feel like that not only gives you confidence because even though you might not have been able to do it yourself from scratch, as you watch them build it, you basically understand what's happening. That's such a good sign. And not only that, but I suppose it shows you their approach to building the project, like how they break it down, basically, and the order they approach things in. I think that's really helpful. Yeah, exactly. After completing the course, I tried to make a project on my own, but I couldn't, you know. I had to do something about it. Like, that's why I chose to watch some people do some projects. And after that, I tried to do the same project they did. And if I get stuck, I get back to the video and see how they did that. Coming up, what to do in a competitive job market. Any hope of you joining the tech industry, you have to go for it. I will be right back with Mohammed in just a moment. But first, Jan the producer and I had a quick favor to ask from you. If you're enjoying the show, please post about it on LinkedIn or Twitter. Sorry, X. The more you help us spread the word about the show, the bigger and better guests we'll be able to get. Plus, you'll also get a chance for a shout out on the show itself. Six days ago on LinkedIn, Lurie Kimmerly wrote, Starting my mornings with a Scrimba podcast has been a great motivator, expanding my perspective on the process of breaking into tech. One of my biggest takeaways was learning in public. As a result, I added a blog section to my portfolio. Currently, I have three blogs up discussing the process of building my portfolio projects and how ChatGPT has been an excellent tutor during my coding journey. Check them out and let me know your thoughts. Great job, Lurie. 
And over on Twitter, sorry, X, Bubafami at Frontan Ninja Tan shared his weekly roundup and wrote Highlight of the week was tuning into the Screamer podcast with Alex Booker on how to create a personal brand as a developer. Nuggets of wisdom that I'll be revisiting again and again for sure. A major one was if you focus too much on others, you'll be burnt out. And if you focus too much on yourself, no one else has any incentive to care what you say. Big thanks to Gary Simon, Cassidy Williams, Josh W. Como, Swix, and Madison Canna for the insights. Awesome. I really enjoyed working on that episode and maybe we should make more of them in the future. And Daniel at Mr. Giles One said, thanks for the push and the shout out on the podcast a week or two ago. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you for listening. And also thank you for tweeting. Sorry, Xing. Once again, if you enjoy the show, join the conversation on social media. As long as your post contains the words Scrimba Podcast, we will find it and you might get a shout out. And now we're back to the interview with Mohammed. Yeah, using Scrimba plus checking out other experienced developers building projects. I feel like that's a pretty great combination. How many kind of hours per day did you spend coding and how many months did it take you to learn to code well enough that you felt ready to apply for jobs? The first few days I had to study for like two hours and three hours. However, after a week without like seeing the time, I had to study like eight hours, 10 hours without even getting bored. This period uh, has gone through two months, but after that, I started to study less and less. For example, five hours, four hours, I was getting tired. There was also another month when I had to study like 10 hours, 11 hours. So it was different periods of times, but like I think I had seven months of study, seven months of HTML and CSS and JavaScript and React, of course. How do you reason about that difference in time? I love that you could get so engrossed in it. It sounds like you are coding with the same fluidity that some people play video games, you know? Like you could do it for hours on end without having to really try. That's a great sign you're doing something that that feels like play. But you also mentioned that those hours kind of tapered off towards the middle. You can say I had some other work because when I was learning like web development, I also was working as an IT support. Oh, okay. I was fixing computers, hardware and software, you know. That's why sometimes I get tired and not be able to study eight or 10 hours a day. Yeah. And I said take your foot off the gas, but five hours a day is still pretty, pretty good. And obviously seven months to complete that journey from, you know, reskilling, it sounds like, really refining your ability after being a hobbyist to then feeling ready to apply for jobs. Seven months is very, very good. When you felt like you were ready to start applying for jobs, how did you go about doing it, Mohammed? What was your job hunting strategy at the beginning? I followed the standards. I created a LinkedIn account. I made some projects. I edited the LinkedIn profile and started applying. But that wasn't so successful, you know, because everyone has the same projects. Everyone had very good projects. You need to stand out out of the competition, you know. It was very hard. However, I thought of going outside the standards, like thinking outside the box. That's why I tried to go through social media. That's how I got my first job. LinkedIn is social media. I mean, I know coders are on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that, but you, you can't get a job on Instagram, I don't think. 
actually you can in my experience <laughs> for me like when i was studying react there was a lot of content on tiktok that was shown to me about react and especially especially instagram so like sometimes when i get stuck or something i try to ask those content creators about something i have in my code and they were like responding to me without any issue with this person who has hired me, he actually answered my questions like four times because I used to ask him a lot about technical issues. That's why I think he saw the progress I had during this period. I think that's why he given me a chance. And this was on Instagram? Yeah. You're kind of blowing my right mind right now, Mohammed. What? <laughs> that's actually, now I think about it, that is such an interesting point. We'll get into this, by the way. But I imagine this person you're speaking with on Instagram, they probably had a LinkedIn profile as well, right? Yeah, true. But maybe people don't always check their LinkedIn inboxes. Maybe they're just more passionate and feel more close to the community if they're on Instagram or something. It's the same person with the same maturity and responsibility and experience at the other end. It's just a different communication channel. So yeah, that was a bit wrong of me to shut it down as a possibility when clearly it can be successful. So you kind of discovered this person's content. You were inspired by it. So you followed their account. And then every now and again, when you had a relevant technical question, you would DM them and say hello and ask for help. And through doing so, you managed to build a bit of a relationship. And if I understood well, I think you were also describing the fact that, you know, you were getting better and probably this person could see your progress and determination and things like that. So they got a sense for your character and what's important for you as well. True. Like for me, like asking him a few times, he saw that I'm making some progress. He saw, okay, this guy is serious. He also knew that I'm a self-taught. So I think being self-taught is a little bit harder than going to college or something or having a mentor. So seeing this self-taught who has a will to learn coding and get a job, uh, it's actually wonderful. Like the last phrase I said to him that I have created more than eight projects and I'm looking for a chance in the industry. And he just replied that, okay, there is an open position in our company. And he gave me uh, an interview. So we did that. And he actually like accepted me and I had an internship for three months. Yeah. And I got the job. So you, they hired you as an intern originally, and then you graduated to a full-time position. Yeah, exactly. This is awesome because if you're applying for jobs, it can definitely work. I've seen it pay off many, many times. It's definitely worth pursuing. I think it's that kind of standard thing you have to keep on top of because you never know what's going to happen. But meanwhile, by building a relationship, it sounds like you are definitely networking. And when people say networking, they think of maybe meetups or LinkedIn, but why shouldn't it be on Instagram or GitHub for that matter, or Dev2 or another type of developer community where you see the same people popping up? Twitter for that matter. It's often been said that when you participate in something like 100 Days of Code, one of the benefits is that you're joining a community. Other people also participating in the challenge, they will see you pop up every day alongside their own posts and you have a direct way to communicate and something obvious to talk about since you have the 100 Days of Code in common. Do you think that networking is basically what got you the job? You can say yes. The first approach is what matters. For example, you can't just DM someone and say, okay, I'm a software developer and I need a job. No, like it doesn't go like this. They need to know you. They need to know your skills and your soft skills. And after that, let's see what happens, you see. Because some people, they DM others and they just ask for something right away. That doesn't tend to work in my experience. And it sounds like you agree. Yeah, yeah, it does not work. 
So maybe you can tell us a little bit about what the company is and what they do. And then it would be fascinating to learn about your progression from internship to your full-time position. The main focus of the company, it has like two branches, one for uh, giving courses, like they also teach web development. And the second part, they develop SaaS products. They develop React native apps and they develop React applications. I started my internship as a front-end developer. However, my manager told me that I need to start learning backend. At that time, I started taking some YouTube courses about Node.js. And after two weeks, maybe, I sent him a message. Okay, I have learned this. I have learned the routes. I have learned everything like regarding the basics. And he said, okay, you're ready for your first backend task. And I was so worried, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the first task was creating a basic uh, API just to like retrieve the data. It was a bit uh, rough at the start, but I finished the task and he was so proud of me that I completed the task. That must have been a really good feeling, especially because it's not what you practiced originally. You started as a front-end dev. Yeah. What do you think, by the way, about starting your career with an internship? Did you have to do an intensive job interview to get the internship? Or do you think maybe the barrier to entry was a little bit less because internships tend to be focused on learning and there's not necessarily a guarantee that you will be offered a job at the end of the internship. So maybe the risk is less for the company as well. What do you think about getting an internship as a strategy compared to applying for full-time positions that aren't internships right away? I think it's our current time. Uh, having an internship, it's very crucial because the market is very, very competitive and difficult and it's very hard to stand out that's why you should also pursue like an internship chance you know any hope of you joining like the tech industry like you have to go for it this company where is it based it's based in san francisco oh you're kidding and you're working from algeria right yeah true oh you seem happy about that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like for me getting a job basically from a computer only. I didn't like go to America and search for a job. It was only through social media and internet. It's kind of awesome for me getting a job basically from your home. I'm sure you have friends and community in real life in Algeria. Probably you're among the few that have a job working for an American company in San Francisco. I'm not sure, but it seems like a pretty special opportunity. Yeah, after I told my friends, they were so shocked because they told me it was very difficult to get a job remotely. Tech is so interesting in that way, because when you describe a competitive market, it's typically geographical, I would say. But with the advent of remote working, the market is global, right? Which is both a good thing because now there are more opportunities but it's also kind of a bad thing in the sense that there's also more competition. Yeah, true. Some countries have less competitiveness, unlike America, unlike the UK, for example. They have a lot of devs there, so it's kind of hard to get a job. But there is some countries who have less competitiveness to get a dev job. When this person on Instagram, and I think we should learn who they are and put their link in the show notes. But yes, when that person invited you to do the internship, was there an interview process at that stage or were they quite satisfied with your abilities? He asked me for my GitHub repository um, and he saw my projects and he asked me non-technical questions like when did you start learning and uh, how much like was the period? It wasn't a technical interview but because he knew 
you that I am an intern, you know, I'm just joining like the tech industry. That's why he didn't give me a rough time in the meeting. But I think like uh, asking him my technical issues, like before asking him for a job, I think this made him maybe knowing me a little bit in my tech side. I think that's why he gave me a job. That sounds amazing, Mohammed. I'm curious to learn more, but what do you say we break up the interview a little bit with some quick fire questions? Yeah. First question, what is one learning resource that has been the most impactful on your journey learning to code? I can say Scrimba. What is your favorite technology to use at the moment? ExpressJS. What's a technology that you would like to learn next? Uh, I would like to learn microservices. Mm, okay, you're really getting into the backend stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. What kind of music do you code to, Mohammed? I code in silence. I don't like music uh, while, while working. Never? Never, yeah. This might be a good chance to plug the person on Instagram who seems to have had a big impact on your career. When I ask, do you look up to or follow anyone in the tech community that we should know about? I kind of follow my friends, you know, uh, like some of them are off the country. Some of them is in France, you know, they really had a good career, you know. So someone who's close to you, like for example, okay, this my friend has actually done it. So it gives you hope, okay, so I can do it too. Not like when you watch someone on YouTube and he's very successful, you know, and like deep down you say, okay, it's very hard to get that. But if you can see a close friend or someone in the family succeeded you have a lot of hope you know yeah friends not followers i like that yeah but who is this person on instagram we need to check them out sure it's called marion awesome we'll link them in the show notes so people can check them out okay so here's the thing about internships and i touched on it before there's not necessarily a guarantee of success at the end that can be a bit daunting because once you start the internship you are kind of committing to the company. It's hard to look for a job while you're focused on the internship and learning a bunch of new stuff. Plus, you might not be that motivated to. You might really hope this is going to pan out. Was that a risk in your mind that maybe the internship wouldn't pan out? And how did you reason about your likelihood of success in getting offered a, a full-time position? I always knew that there is maybe a possibility that I can't get the job. However, having an internship will really boost your experience. For me, my journey was just a self-taught, but actually working with a company, even if I don't get a job, it's really a good experience because it teaches you how to work with coworkers, you gain soft skills, you learn how to work with some people, you get mentorship, you know, you can ask them about some technical issues. It's a lot of experience you can take from an internship. What do you think they wanted to see from you during the internship so that they would offer you a full-time position? I think the ability to learn fast. I think that's why he actually given me a job because when I started working on the task, I was basically just a front-end developer. However, he asked me that I should go to the back-end and see how I can perform there, you know? He saw me that I am a quick learner and uh, task after task after task on back-end, he saw me that I'm making progress. Uh, I think that's why he given me a job. And he actually said this at the end of the internship. He said to me, I like your passion of learning and your ability to adapt and learn fast. Did you get any other feedback? I got a lot of criticism because I used to write code but without actually testing it very well. <laughs> yeah. All right, code. Then I see the output one more time. Okay. I just push to the branch. 
And after that, when he reviewed it, he said to me, okay, there's an error there and there's an error there. That was my main issue. Like I couldn't test very well. But after that, I adapted to it. How did it feel when you got that kind of feedback? I kind of felt a little bit sad, but also happy because, okay, now I know something that I really need to work on, you know, testing, testing the function, testing like everything before pushing to a GitHub, you know. I noticed as well, just kind of uh, stalking your old LinkedIn posts a little bit, I guess, because you wrote these uh, a few weeks or even months ago now. It seemed, if I put the timeline together right, like you were doing LinkedIn posts, almost microblogging, it sounded like, during your internship. Was that a conscious decision? Was there any strategy there or just something you did for fun? There were some videos of people who are saying you need to document your journey. It really helps to get a job. So I just started with blogging. You know, I just go for LinkedIn because most of the recruiters are there. So maybe if they enter my profile, they will see the posts. Okay, this guy has an experience in Kafka, uh, has an experience in the backend and special technology. Okay, we can make use of this person. That's why I decided to post on LinkedIn. Maybe back in 2014, you would have used Blogger. Yeah, true. But in 2023, uh, LinkedIn is like that platform where the barrier to entry is so low. You just open the text box and press enter. Plus, as you say, it's where everybody you want to reach is. Did you get much engagement on those posts? Like, it's interesting, right? You found your job through social media. You were also creating on social media, it sounds like. Did you notice any result from that? I really didn't care about how many people would be seeing the post because I only needed one recruiter to see the post, you know, not all people. Oh, I like that. It's about who enters the profile. That's a good point. I feel like likes and comments and things like that, they can be a sign that you're doing something really well, but they can also be a bit of a vanity metric. The example I like to give is if you want to get a bunch of likes on LinkedIn or Twitter, post developer memes, you know, take them off Reddit, programming humor, whatever, you will get a bunch of likes and comments, I think. But that is not necessarily the audience that you want. You might have a big number, but of that number, very few are likely going to be knowledgeable about what you have to offer, what you're interested in, or even inclined to reach out because, you know, you're bringing them humor, which is fine. There's room for that. There's an audience for that. But if your objective is to get a job as a developer and stand out among recruiters, I actually like your approach a lot more, Mohammed where you target a fewer number of people, but you write about what you're working on. I also really like what you said about lowering your inhibitions, I guess, in the sense that if you wrote it with the intention of reaching a huge audience, you might never press publish because that's the kind of thing that's easy to overthink. But when you open LinkedIn and you just write something and it's true, words tend to come easy when they're true. You know, you're just recounting something you did at work that day or that week. I find that's the best way to do it. I find that's the most consistent way to do it. And when you're consistent, that's normally when you get results. But of course, in your case, it sounds like you were doing all the right things. And then as it sometimes goes, you found the opportunity you were looking for, right? So you kind of put out a few bets into the world. You were doing your portfolio, you were doing LinkedIn, you were engaging and networking with people on Instagram, for example. You didn't need every one of them to pay off. You just needed one of them to pay off. 
And it's because you kind of betted on a few different things. You had the greatest chance of success, it sounds like. Yeah, true. For me, when I started posting, I had this idea where, okay, I need to make a great post. Okay, I need some pictures. I need some videos for that. Okay. And it's kind of hard for you to do that at the start. So you can never press publish, just like you said. So I made it simple as it is. Okay, just small text. Okay, what happened to me today? What I learned? This is basically my end goal just a random recruiter joins the profile and he seizes the post like that is one my main target it's actually really impressive you can do that and it's something i say like it's kind of obvious i feel like but i distinctly remember being in a similar position and if i can reflect on my own feelings at the time i never wanted to risk looking stupid i guess because i was trying to become a developer I didn't have a degree or anything. I felt like a bit of an imposter and I didn't want to hurt a recruiter or a developer off by saying something wrong or something stupid. I don't think I was actually at risk of doing that, by the way, but it's funny how your mind can convince you otherwise. There is this temptation sometimes when you're doing any transformation, whether that's a 90 day fitness plan or a nine month journey to learn to code, you almost want to Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory it. And what I mean by that is you do all your work in the background and then one day you want to show up and be like, I've arrived, here I am. You know, I'm, I'm so good, you should hire me. But that seldom works, to be honest. What does work is showing your progress, showing your journey. It's a little bit like what you got to demonstrate to that one person on LinkedIn, where you were, you know, demonstrating your progress as you, you know, incorporated their answers, asked harder questions, talking a little bit about your challenges on LinkedIn or any social media platform, or even a blog, by the way, it's a little bit vulnerable, but I, I think it gives people a better sense of who you are, what you want, and they might just be more likely to get in touch, or at least more likely to discover your profile as you create a wider surface area by publishing often. Yeah, even if you make a mistake within your post, uh, let's say a recruiter joins and he's a technical software engineer, okay, he say, okay, this person is learning, he made a mistake, but it doesn't mean it's bad, but he's seeing that you are learning and you are documenting in your journey, you know, that's a very plus, you know. So Mohammed, you didn't describe it as being really hard or anything, but I think I know that if you've gone down the path of studying and a lot of people in your family have gone down the academic law routes, it's probably not an easy decision, despite your passion for it, to switch to coding. Could you maybe talk about that a little bit? After I finished college, you can say I had the two weeks of uh, thinking about my future because it's not easy to switch careers like especially after spending a lot of time in college and having that degree however i thought about the future okay i maybe will live 60 years or 50 years i need to make a good decision in my life you know working with something that i love and this is what made my choice were your family understanding and supportive i hope they were yes they were always supporting me uh, for doing like the thing that i love they were not pressuring me for something that I should continue with the law career. Uh, like especially when they found out that I've made the decision to switch careers. Okay, they said, okay, good luck. We will have all the support you need. That's lovely. Yeah. Was it the right decision in the end to switch from law to coding? Are you happy? 100%, yeah. That's what we like to hear. All right, so Mohammed, that's pretty much all we have time for today. I did just want to ask in closing if there was any advice about learning to code or breaking into tech that maybe if you could go back in time 
and tell yourself at the start of your journey, what would that be? There's some YouTube videos that you will see the title like stop coding or don't be a software engineer or maybe the AI will take your jobs. <laughs> These kind of videos are not true. When you're starting out, listening for other people, that will not be good for you. So I think you need to pursue what you love. Mohammed, thank you so much for joining me on the Scrimba podcast. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Alex. That was the Scrimba Podcast episode 128. I hope I didn't lose count. If you made it this far, please subscribe. We are a weekly show. There's a new episode every Tuesday and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the resources mentioned in this interview. The Scrimba Podcast is hosted by Alex Booker. You can find his Twitter handle or X handle. It really sounds stupid. In the show notes, I've been Jan, the producer, and we'll be back with you next week.